0: We're here today, this morning, and we're uh, in a free country. We're in a free place. We get to gather together and worship God Almighty uh, f- uh, and in a safe place. And what a privilege and honor uh, that is. This past week was a week where, for myself personally, I experienced um, some loss of loved ones uh, from either people that I know directly or uh, from families of people that I, I know also, this past week, 22 people died as a result of a terrorist attack in, uh, in England, in Manchester. And so, Life is precious, and life is fragile. So I went online, and I looked at uh, the statistics for, for life and death. And uh, 53, 55.3 million people die every year in the world. That's 152,000 people each day. That's 6,300 people each hour. Um, Death is a reality uh, for all of us. And so today, as we are taking a break from our sermon series, uh, I was thinking of this fact and, and seeing people who lost loved ones, seeing people also on Facebook who lost their pets, seeing the reality of sin in our world is that death is a reality. And the thought came to my mind, the scriptures that says, uh, we do not grieve as those who have no hope. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And uh, as I began to dwell on that verse, I I believe I asked the Lord to give me a message for us this morning to encourage us, uh, to encourage us as we go to God's word, as we look at the reality of the world in which we live, where death seems to rule and reign. So today we're going to talk about heaven. Today we're going to talk about the reality of heaven for those who believe in Jesus, for those who are trusting in Him, the great and glorious promise that we have in heaven. In 2014, Pew Research did a survey on Americans, and they found that 72% of Americans believe in heaven. However, they differ on a lot of different things that they believe about heaven. Most people seem to get their ideas about heaven from television or movies and what their friends say or in conversations with other people. And so this has led to a very subjective view of heaven, even among Christians. This past week, I was reading about a woman who, as she was growing up, she grew up in a, in a strict Christian home. She became a Christian when she was seven years old, and she was always told that when she got to heaven, she wouldn't know anybody there, she wouldn't remember anything from her life. This led her to start to think about heaven and start to think about it and it scared her. She said, quote, I have a fear of heaven and eternity. A fear of heaven. There was a pastor in an evangelical seminary, a seminary-trained pastor who said that he didn't like thinking about heaven. He says this, I would rather be annihilated than go to a place where it's going to be uh, endless, tedious boredom. He said, quote, I can't imagine floating around in clouds for an eternity with a harp. John Eldridge, who wrote a book called The Journey of Desire, he says that most Christians think that heaven will be an unending church service, an unending, boring church service. and. Many people start feeling that way and they start to think about that and they say, man, I'm not very spiritual now because I'm not even, I am not even—I don't like that idea of an unending church service and I'm thinking about heaven but man, maybe I better just take my medicine. Heaven will be okay. Gary Larson, you remember him. He was the writer of the Far Side Comics. Take a look at this comic strip. Guy sitting in the cloud, if you can see it. And he says, wish I brought a magazine. Is that heaven? A bo- no. Amen. Yes. Let's close in prayer. Um. <laughs> Is that heaven a boring church service? I mean, I love our church services. I love our worship team, our teams that we have, and, and they... They're playing, I mean, the bass, he's jamming today, man, and, and singing praise to the Lord. I love that. I love, I love being part of a, com, a corporate worship time together. But is that what we're going to be doing for all of eternity? What do you believe about heaven? I heard a pastor one time use this illustration to illustrate how much he didn't know about heaven. He said there was a guy who went to see a doctor, and this is back in the days when doctors were in their own homes and this man came in he knew he was very sick and he said doctor i know i'm going to die very soon can you tell me a little bit about heaven the doctor said i don't know the patient said you don't know you're a christian you're supposed to know these these things and he said i don't know but then there was a rustling outside of the door of the doctor's office in his own home there and he went and he opened the door and there was this dog and the dog rushed in and jumped on him and was so excited and happy to see his master and the doctor used this point as an illustration he said "Um, see this is this dog has never been in my office before but he knew that the master was here and so it's the same with heaven i don't know what it's going to be like but i'm satisfied knowing that the master was going to be there now that's good I'm happy to know that the master will be there, that Jesus is going to be there, that the one who died for my sin, who, who loves me enough to give his own life for me, will be there. That's amazing. But is that all the Bible teaches about heaven, that we can know just that Jesus is going to be there? And I don't know any more details, so I guess we can't really speak on the topic. Well, What does the Bible teach? That's why I love coming here every Sunday. It's because we come to hear the Word of God preached. We don't come to hear Pastor Tim's opinions or or my opinions. That wouldn't be worth the time. You come to hear God's Word. So we're going to hear today, we're going to look to God's Word and see what it says about heaven. So for you who are Christians, I hope and pray that this will lift your spirits this morning. This life with death and sin and suffering and tragedy is a shadow land compared to heaven. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, and then I shall shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. There's coming a day where the shadow land will pass away, and heaven, reunion with our Creator God, will be a reality, and that's a great day. The Apostle Paul says this in Romans chapter 8. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed in us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth birth until now. And not only creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we await eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we are saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. there's a lady her name was Florence Chadwick she swam across the English Channel Uh, she also then went and tried to swim from the Catalina Islands off the southwest coast of California uh, to Los Angeles it's about 20 miles she went in the water and if you've ever been in the Pacific it's cold water even down in California And she swam she swam for 15 hours and as she was going she was struggling she'd been going a long time, the boat that was alongside her for safety, her mother was in that boat, encouraging her, pushing her on to keep going. You can do it. You can do it. She thought to myself, my muscles are tightening up. I can't make it. I, I can't do it. Her mom said, you're almost there. Keep going. But there was a heavy fog along the coast. And couldn't see very far ahead. And she gave up. And she got on the boat. She had crossed the English Channel, but she couldn't. Do this swim to the coast. She got into the boat and the fog started to clear and she could see the shoreline. She was a half mile away from the coastland. Later on, she said, If I would have seen the shores, I could have made it. Christian, maybe you feel like in your life right now you're battling some big time challenges. I pray that a glimpse of the shoreline today. A glimpse of your eternal destiny will help you press on. So here's where we're going today. If you've got your notes, I invite you to take them out. First, five misconceptions about heaven. Then four promises from First Thessalonians chapter 4. The three questions to ask. Two roads that don't lead to heaven and one way to be saved. So let's start number five. Five misconceptions about heaven. Number one. In heaven, all of your dreams will come true. This is fantasy. This is the, the fantasy island view of heaven. How many people are old enough to remember the show Fantasy Island? De Plane, the Plane. This is the fantasy of all my wishes will come true. My every desire will be satisfied. By the way, this is one of the uh, this mistaken false religion promises of Islam that would have terrorists fly planes into buildings or blow themselves up, that they would go to heaven then and experience uh, life with 70 virgins. This is not true. I would like to be 6'6 six, six in heaven. That would be great. That would be awesome. I could experience life being tall and not short. But I'm not promised that. So what does the Bible say? First John chapter uh, 3, verse 2 says that Jesus appears, and when He appears... We shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Our promise is that we will be like Jesus in eternity. We will be like him, glorified. More on that later. Number two, in heaven, you won't remember your earthly life. How many people have ever heard that, or you've been told that? In heaven, you won't remember your earthly life. I had a guy come to me who was very disturbed, and he had been listening to Christian radio, he believed in Jesus, he was struggling to to, to find a a way to live for the Lord, and he had a family and working hard in his job. People were telling him that you will go to heaven, but you won't remember anything, and this really bothered him. In Luke chapter 16, Jesus tells the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. And while it's a parable, we also can gather some truth from that parable, in that parable, Jesus says the rich man dies and he goes to Sheol, or the place of the dead. Lazarus, he goes to Abraham's bosom, or paradise. And it's there that the rich man is in anguish and he longs to even have a drop of water cool his tongue and he asks Father Abraham in paradise with Lazarus, he, he asks, let someone go to my brother's. To tell them, to warn them of this reality of eternity. And then Father Abraham says, unless they would believe Moses and the prophets and, and Jesus, they won't be saved. In heaven, in eternity, you remember your earthly life. Number three, in heaven, you won't know anyone. Misconception. When you get there, you won't know anybody. But of course you will. There's continuity from this life to the next life. It's a continuation of our life. In 2 Samuel chapter 12, we read of the story of David who committed adultery with Bathsheba and that, that resulted in a birth of a son, a child, a son, and the child dies. And as the child is dying, David is pleading to God and he's fasting and he's He's repenting and he's calling out to God to save the child, but the child dies. And after the child dies, David says this, He will not come to me, but I shall go to him. In heaven, you will know people, relationships continue from this life to the next. We always talk about uh, you can't take anything to heaven, and that's true in terms of a physical sense, but you can take some things to heaven. You can take relationships to heaven. Five misconceptions about heaven. Number four, in heaven you become an angel. How many people hear that? Oh, so-and-so died. Well, God just needed another angel. Now, I know that's someone coping with pain and, and a heartache and, and I, I get that, uh, but we don't become angels. In in the created order, God created angels, He created humans, and we are different. Humans, we are unique in the fact that we can have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And even angels, we read in the Scriptures, long to look into that relationship. Understand what we have as people. It's an amazing thing that we as created beings can know our Creator God, have a relationship with the God of heaven and earth. The God who created all that there is. Number five, it is not good to think about heaven or the afterlife. The common phrase there is uh, somebody who's always thinking about heaven or talking about heaven is that uh, they're so heavenly minded that they're of no earthly good. Now, if someone is just walking around with their heads in the clouds, in their, their head in the clouds, then that would be true, that they're not noticing anything around them, that they're not living life that God has called them to live, and and that would be true, that God saves us now, not just for eternity, he saves us for the here and now, and he calls us to his mission on the earth now, for his kingdom here and now, but also we can be reminded of and encouraged by the reality of heaven. C.S. Lewis says, if you read history, you'll find that the Christian that did most for the present world were those who thought the most of the next world. It's good to think about the reality of heaven. All right, four promises from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. So I invite you to turn in your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. I want to read this and then look at four promises from it. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 13 But we do not want you to be uninformed brothers about those who are asleep that you may not grieve as those who do not have those who have no hope for since we believe that Jesus died and rose again even so through Jesus God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep for this we declare to you by a word from the Lord that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, and the voice of the archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and who are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. What great promises we have from this text to encourage one another. Number one, we have the knowledge of eternal life. We do not want you to be uninformed, Paul writes. The scriptures teach us about the afterlife. And we are to be reminded of that this morning. That the scriptures teach about heaven and hell. The reality of eternity. And while the point of the gospel is not just to get a ticket out of hell, it is an implication of the gospel. That God, when He saves a person, He saves us from His own wrath, from death, and from punishment of sin or hell. And so that is a reality that we are to be reminded of today. And if you are a Christian, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you were to die today, you go to be immediately in the presence of, of the Lord. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8. And that there is a day that Jesus is coming back again, as we read in the text. And if, we're hap- if we happen to be alive, it could be this afternoon. If Jesus comes back this afternoon, then we will be uh, with the Lord in the new heavens and the new earth, along with those who have died and are in heaven already. It's the promise of the new heaven and the new earth. And so th- this is a reality that we are to be reminded of and to be encouraged by now, I know some people. You think about some loved ones, and, and you think, man, I I don't know if they were believers, and so this talk of eternity makes me really uncomfortable because I I don't know if they believed in Jesus, I don't know if they trusted in Jesus, and so you don't even really want to go to the uh, the, the the talk of eternity because for you it, it it might be an encouragement, but for some of your family members who you think don't know the Lord then maybe that's a discouragement because you think, what if they're lost? God places upon each person responsibility of your own self. You are also asked to and commanded to share the gospel with others, but you're not responsible for other people's salvation, including your family members. God is in control. God is sovereign. God is love. God is rich in mercy and we do not know where other, our loved ones would be. That that's in God's hands. So don't let the fact that you don't know about a loved one discourage you from rejoicing in the truth of heaven. Some people, um, even at the end of their life, as I've gotten to witness and be part of, God has, in His mercy and grace, gripped them and saved them even at the very end. So you even think about the hard topics of, of a suicide and, and, and untimely death. and We do not know what is in the heart and minds of people. So we commit those people into the hands of our Loving and gracious God. But we're reminded of heaven this morning, and as we look to the present heaven and the future heaven, the new heaven and the new earth, we have some information in scriptures that we can go to. So I ask you to go to Revelation chapter 6. Revelation chapter 6. verses 9 through 11. I'm going to read this, but before I do, I'll recommend to you a book called Heaven uh, by Randy Elcorn. It's one of the, I would say, uh, a, a treasure chest of, of scriptures concerning uh, the present heaven and the final heaven, the new heavens and the new earth. And so if you want to read more, get the book by Randy Elkhorn, Heaven. Verse 9 When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the witness they had borne. They cried out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell in the earth? Then they were given a white robe and told to rest a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brothers should be complete, who were to be killed as they themselves had been. In his book, Heaven, Randy Alcorn gives us 21 things from these scriptures uh, that describe uh, for us the present heaven. And so let me just give you a, f- a few of them. When these people died on the earth, they relocated in heaven. They weren't soul sleeping. They weren't floating around in the sky. They weren't haunting houses. They weren't talking to psychics. They went to heaven. These people in heaven were the same ones who were killed for Christ on earth. This demonstrates direct continuity between our identity here on earth and in heaven. The martyr's personal history extends directly back to their lives on earth. People in heaven will be remembered for their lives on earth. These were known and identified as one slain because of the testimony that they had maintained. The martyrs are fully conscious, they're rational, they're aware of each other, they're aware of God, and they're aware of the situation on earth. Those in heaven are free to ask ask God questions, which means they have an audience with God. It also means that they need to learn. In heaven, people desire understanding, and they pursue it. People in the present heaven know what's happening on the earth. The martyrs know enough to realize that those who killed them have not yet been judged. The martyrs clearly remember their lives on earth. They even remember that they were murdered. They remember everything about their life. They're not people who don't have a memory or it's been wiped clean. Those in heaven are distinct individuals. Each of them was given a white robe. The martyrs wearing white robes suggest the possibility of of some type of physical form, but... But they have a symbolic meaning, no doubt, but it doesn't mean they also can't have some type of form, which we believe that they do. The people of God in heaven have a strong familial connection with those on earth who are called their fellow servants and brothers. So even from those short scriptures, we can learn a lot. We have knowledge of Eternal life, Paul says, we do not want you to be uninformed. Well, what about the final heaven? The new heavens and the new earth? That's our destination as Christians. That's where we're going. And we can read all about that in Revelation 21 and and Revelation chapter 22. It's going to be a great thing. We'll get more to that later. Four promises. We have the knowledge of eternal life. Number two, when people die, they don't cease to exist. People don't just go into the ground and it's over. The life that we live is not just here and now, it's the the life that is to come. The cemetery is not the end of the story. Number three, Jesus Christ is bringing heaven uh, to earth. Jesus Christ is bringing heaven uh, to earth. Jesus is going to come with a loud shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God, and he's going to return. So we are not saved to be taken somewhere else or to be snatched away, as it were. No, we, we meet Jesus as he's coming. And he's coming with those who already are in heaven. And then he establishes his kingdom on earth. The new heavens and the new earth, they are one and the same. Jesus is bringing heaven to earth. Number four, the promise of eternal life brings encouragement. 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 Therefore, verse 18, encourage one another with these words. Even though we don't know every detail about heaven, we do know enough about the present heaven and the future heaven, we do know enough that we can be encouraged. You know, it's coming up on 10 years ago now um, that uh, my wife Stephanie, her dad died suddenly. And... um, he died and we were actually up in Minnesota at the time and he's in Illinois and uh, got the phone call and she was getting ready and uh, I found out about it first and I'd go upstairs and, and tell her about it and I remember um, the, just the, the, the hard heavy feeling of knowing uh, the information that I was going to share with her that her dad had died and, uh, and she, I told her and it was so hard and uh, so painful and she never she never got a chance to say goodbye some people when they die they are sickly or they're on their deathbed for a time and there's those conversations that can happen didn't happen with their dad now the promise of heaven doesn't take away the pain but the promise of in heaven of heaven encourages her encourages us it encourages her that she didn't get a chance to say goodbye but she will get the chance to see him again she will get the chance to say hello and to be with him that's the promise of our good God it's not that the promise of heaven automatically makes everything feel good no but it encourages us encourages us even as you stand next to a fresh grave that the grave doesn't get the victory Jesus Christ has Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Five misconceptions, four promises, three questions to ask. What will heaven be like? What will heaven be like? Flip over to First Corinthians chapter fifteen verse thirty five. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians 15 verse 35, but someone will ask, how are the dead raised? What kind of body, with what kind of body do they come? You foolish person, what you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And what you sow is not the body that is to be, but a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or some other grain. But... God gives it a body as He has chosen, and to each kind of seed its own body. For not all flesh is the same, but there is one kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, another for fish. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly is of one kind, and the glory of of the earthly is of another. There is one glory of the sun, and another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars, and the stars differ from star in glory." But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural, then the spiritual. The first man was from earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of dust. And as is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of man in dust, we shall also bear the image of man in heaven. Wow. What will will we be like in heaven? What will we be like? He gives us four uh, comparisons. Uh, perishable, imperishable. We have perishable bodies. How many people are growing older? You recognize that? Perishable bodies. I'm turning 40 uh, next month and uh, I'm realizing that I'm starting to feel a lot more <laughs> things in my body than I used to. You used to go and run and you'd fall down and get hurt and, and now you you know you fall down. It's a like major thing. I was uh, catching for my uh, my son baseball game yesterday, and um, I, I won't do it because I probably won't be able to get up. But I was squatting to catch the ball, you know, and uh, for not very long. And my back, like I think it's a sciatic, it's hurting and it's brutal. Perishable bodies will be raised imperishable, sown in dishonor will be given glory what's the dishonor what's the dishonor that we have it's sin that we are in many ways slaves to sin but we are raised to glory the glory of the lord jesus christ we were sown in weakness we've raised in power our bodies are weak also when we're young we think we can do anything don't we we think we're Superman. We can do anything. And I'm looking at my son who's 12 and coming into the teenage years quickly, too fast. And he thinks he can do anything. And I realize that we can die in an instant. I, I might be morbid, but I'm just like, you're going to kill yourself. But you really can kill yourself by eating a corn dog or whatever it is. That's how weak we are. We are sown natural. We'll be raised to spiritual new life. So what will we be like in heaven? 1 John 3, chapter 2, we shall be like Jesus. You remember Jesus when he rose from the dead? He could be seen and he could see. He had relationships with the disciples. He could eat. He did normal things. He was with them. But he also could do supernatural things like appear to the disciples in a room that was locked. This is Jesus in his glorified body. And we shall see Jesus when he returns and we shall be like him, the scripture says. So we will have glorified bodies, super bodies, that are natural in some sense, but they're spiritual as well. So we don't know the mystery of it, but we know the description of it. It's the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. No cancer, no pain, no suffering, no slouching. No bad backs. Second question, what will we do in heaven? What will we do? I mean, uh, for that long of a period of time, I can't even think about eternity. The far side comic, I mean, I wish I would have brought a magazine. What are we going to do all this time? Randy Elkhorn, in his book Heaven, describes it like this. In three different ways, then I'll add a fourth. Number one, we have rest from our labors on earth. Revelation 14, verse 13. We will experience relaxation and leisure, freedom from frustrations and freedom from burdensome labor. Number two, we'll eat and drink and celebrate at the table with Christ and the redeemed saints from the earth, communicating and fellowshipping and storytelling and rejoicing with them and making new stories. Communication, dialogue, corporate worship, and other relationship-building interactions all take place in heaven. Saints and angels of God Himself will interact together, building and deepening their relationships. Isaiah 25, verse 6 says this, On this mountain the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich foods for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats, and the finest of wines. How good will that meal be? Number three, we'll worship God. Not an unending church service, no. We'll sing with other saints from all ages and worship God Almighty who is in our midst and we're in His presence. I added this fourth one, we will rule with Christ. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 12 says, If we endure, we will also rule with Him. Now, I don't know exactly what that means, and theologians and guys a lot smarter than me have talked about it and written about it, but there's this idea of ruling and reigning with Christ, and we don't know exactly what it is, but it, it, I read this past week it could be things like uh, uh, New Creations, New planets, new galaxies, or even the universe that we live in now, that God has recreated it in the new heavens and the new earth, and we get to be part of this ruling and reigning. It's a work that we do in heaven. It's amazing. Number three, what will the new heaven and the new earth be like? What will the new heaven and the new earth be like? Let me just read you a portion from Revelation chapter 21. Lots of scriptures today. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. We love new things, don't we? I love new things. I love new shoes. I love opening the new shoes. I love, back when I was in junior high, getting my new Air Jordans that's before they were retro that's back when they were the real thing I love I the new car smell don't really get the experience but I love the new car smell we like things that are new and even if you like antiques you like antiques that are new to you right? and things that are new and God is making all things new in heaven it's, it's, it's a new thing It's a new thing for eternity. Now we're hitting the home stretch. Two roads that don't lead to heaven. Two roads that don't lead to heaven. Number one, the agnostic road. This is the road that someone's on. They say this, I don't know. I don't know uh, exactly uh, what I believe. I I hear what you're saying, but I have my doubts. But if there's a God, surely He's good and, and surely He loves me and surely He would let me go to heaven. At least I hope so. I mean, I I think. The agnostic road does not lead to heaven. I just don't know. I'll throw my hands up. I hope when I die, when I get there, that I'll be okay. The other road that doesn't lead to heaven is the religious road. It's the false religions of the world. It's the Muslims who are dying a martyr's death, believing that they will be greeted by 70 virgins in heaven. In paradise, it's Hinduism. It's all of the false religions of the world. It's the uh, Oprah isms. She just spoke at a graduation. She said that I've always followed the truth that I found find inside of myself. The religious road, false religions also of works righteousness. I'll work my way to heaven. If at the end, if I, if I get to heaven and I stand before God and the good is in one side and the bad is in the other side, if the good outweighs the bad, then I'm in. And I'm going to work hard at it. The Apostle Paul compared his good works and looked at all of them, which would blow all of us away, and he said they were like filthy rags before God. In the Old Testament, our good works are compared to um, to a nasty thing. We can't work to heaven. We can't work our way. There's only one way. And that's where we end. One way to be saved. Our only hope is found in the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. There is but one name given among men whereby we must be Saved. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. So God delivers us from sin. He saves us from sin to have a relationship with Him. He makes full satisfaction of our sin through His cross uh, at Calvary. He died in our place for us. God demonstrated his His love for us in this that while we are still sinners, Christ died for us and for those who trust in Him, for those who believe in Him. You can have a right relationship with God. You can be restored to the way that you should be, that God created you to be. Matter of fact, it's manufacturer specifications. You will never know true fulfillment in your life unless you come to know the God who created you. And when you come and you're saved by the Lord Jesus Christ and His death and resurrection, when you're saved by Him, you have a right relationship with Him, that is the good news. You're saved. You're right with Him. And one of the implications of that then, that as his son or as his daughter, you have the promise of eternal life with him in a place called heaven. So today, as you're looking through the glass dimly, it's darkened and you see the sin and the suffering of the world and you're experiencing it yourself, as you're discouraged, as you think that there's no hope, remember that in the end God wins. And that if you trust in him, If you're following him, you win too. The scripture says that you will share in the glory of Christ. That's awesome. That I could share with Jesus in glory. I've sinned so much. I reject God. Yet he died for me. And I believe in him. And by his grace, I want to live for him and he saves me now and for eternity are you saved thank you Lord for your word and the encouragement that it is that we don't even have to fear the grave because you've won and you've given your victory to all those who would join you who would On their knees, confess their sin, repent, and turn to You by faith. Thank You for Your salvation. Thank You, Lord, that at Your church here at Village Bible, that You are saving people and redeeming them and, and changing them now to make a difference. But also we thank You for the reality of heaven. Lord, I pray that You would remind us of this truth, that we would encourage one another, that we would be encouraged as we glimpse the shoreline of the world it is to come. And so we pray today together that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus, your name we pray. Amen.